Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, in our, in our church in the season of Lent, uh, we are working our way through the Red Letter Challenge, uh, which is a 40-day discipleship journey, putting into practice principles of being a Jesus follower by looking at the words of Jesus, sometimes written in red letters in your Bible, and putting them into daily practice. And so this is our fourth full week in this challenge, and, and each of these uh, is, a, is a process. It's a, it's a progress to get through each one. So if you're just joining with us today, uh, I'd invite you to pick up a book uh, on the way out and, and see where we've come from to get to this place. But so far, just to catch you up to speed, these are the principles that we've been introduced to so far. They are being, forgiving, and serving. Those are the first three. Uh, this week is the week of giving and the next week going. So, so far in, in the week of being, we learned that Jesus Christ promises to be with us always and, and he desires for us to talk to him, to read his word, to experience his peace and his rest and his very presence. The second week, the week of forgiving flows out of that. As we spend time with God, getting to know who he is, we will experience his grace for us in Jesus Christ, that we will know that when he says, I forgive you, that he means it. And when he commands us to forgive as we've been forgiven, he means that as well. Then last week, we were motivated to serve when we heard that Jesus said, I came into this world not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So we serve because it's in the nature of our Christian identity to serve other people. This week, this week is the week of giving. And yes, we are going to be talking uh, today in particular about financial giving. You know, in the ministry of Jesus Christ, the, the thing he talked about most when Jesus was on the earth, the thing he talked about most was the kingdom of God. All right? So the thing Jesus talked about most, which makes sense, was his purpose for being here, what his love looks like, his grace, and what his expectations are of his people, the kingdom of God. The second thing he talked about most after the kingdom of God was money. Money. That's, that's the truth. And, and why is that, do you think? I think because the way that we are in relationship to money, the way that we feel about money, affects the way that we participate in the kingdom of God. Yes, this is the week of giving. And yes, we are talking about financial giving. And I pray that you don't walk out. Because <laughs> I know, I know I know, I, I've been in your place, I, I've been in your shoes, I know this is one of the things that we don't like to hear about. For a number of different reasons, we don't like to hear about it, but, but perhaps you just plain and simple don't want anybody telling you what you, ought, what you, what you should be doing with your hard-earned dollars, and, and that's fair. But on the other hand, perhaps you're in the place where you're in a tough financial situation, whether it's self-inflicted or a result of world's events in your, in your life, and, and maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, Pastor, please don't guilt me into giving today. I really, I just, I can't hear that today. Let me promise you that is not my goal. <laughs> that is not my goal. I am not guilting you into giving money today. That is, that is not the goal here. Some of you, this is your first time here. Ask some longtime members. We don't talk about money very much here. Not, not nearly as much as Jesus does. My goal here, my goal here is not to guilt you into giving. 
Seriously, if that were my goal, I would be mad at myself and I would walk out on myself. Because I'm the last guy in the world who wants somebody to try to tell me what to do. <laughs> Just ask my wife, she's here, or you can ask my mom, she's here too. She had to raise me, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not an easy guy to get along with and to convince to do something. Here's the deal. Here's why we're talking about this today. I firmly believe, and I believe it's scriptural, that Jesus talks about money so much because it is a spiritual issue. And this is the point today. Our relationship with money, the way that we handle it, it's a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. And what do I mean by that? Well, it was read for us today in 1 Timothy, where the Apostle Paul says this, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Perhaps you've heard this passage before, or more than likely you've heard it misquoted, because I've heard people say, money is the root of all evil. That's not true. That's a misquotation. It's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in and of itself is amoral. Money, doesn't, money isn't bad or good. Money doesn't have any intrinsic moral properties in and of itself. It's our relationship to money and the way that we handle it that either makes it a blessing or a curse. If we make money our number one love, we will fall into all kinds of Satan's traps and fall into all kinds of trouble. If we make God our number one love, we will realize that everything that we have, everything that we need flows from God because he's a generous giver, including the money that we have. The way that we handle money is a spiritual issue. I firmly believe this. I say it like this oftentimes. I believe that money is one of the greatest gifts that God gives to us in this world. It is. It's just plain and simple. It's one of the greatest gifts God gives to us. If we believe that if money truly is one of God's greatest gifts to us in this world, what does Satan want to do to it and our relationship to it? He wants to use it as a source of anxiety and worry and stress because that's what Satan does best. He takes God's good gifts and he messes them up. I tell pre-marriage couples this all the time. It's statistically proven in our country that money-related conflicts are one of the number one causes of divorce in this country. And it only makes sense. And so when I'm doing pre-marriage counseling with couples, I have nine couples that I'm working with right now for their weddings this summer. And when I'm talking to them, I remind them that money conversations in marriage will surface all of the time. Money decisions are everywhere in our marriages, in our families, in our lives, right? I mean, where are we going to go for dinner tonight? I don't, how much do you want to spend? <laughs> the kids need new shoes. Are we going to go to the thrift store or buy new? We're going to buy new, then what kind of, what brand are we going to, we're going to buy? How much do we want to spend, right? Money conversations sneak their way into absolutely every, uh, almost every decision. And so I encourage couples who are getting married and married couples, all of you, that if we cannot figure out how to have intentional proactive, peace-filled, prayerful conversations about money, then money will always be a source of stress and worry in our lives. And the best way to handle these conversations in our lives is to invite God to be present in your financial conversations and decisions through prayer. Yes, you can pray to God about your financial situation. You can. Why? Because he gave it to you. So when you're making decisions, bring him into the conversation and pray to him about it. 
God has given you your money to be utilized for his kingdom. You know, I want to I tell you boldly today that money decisions do not need to be filled with stress, worry, anxiety, and be negative. They do not. This world wants to convince you that every financial decision you make must cause some sort of anxiety. It does not. The only time that financial decisions cause anxiety in your lives is when Satan has his hand in the pot. So how do you get Satan to get his hand out of the pot? First of all, you go to God, and you thank God for his ultimate generosity, for all that he gives. And then you prove to Satan that your trust is not in him, and you give generously. So you thank God for his generosity, and you give generously. And when you do so, you say to Satan, my trust is not in you. My trust is in God who has given me all that I have and all that I need. This next point that I want to make uh, is important because some of you come into the Christian church from various um, backgrounds and, and uh, different ideas. And so I oftentimes hear from people, this is really just a practical, um, practical thing. I hear people say, how much as a Christian am I supposed to give? I don't know if you've ever wondered that before. People have asked me, that, how much am I supposed to give? And I would respond to you, as a Christian person, you don't have to give anything. You are no longer under the law, but under the grace of Jesus Christ. You are not mandated for salvation to give anything in return. You're not. You don't have to. So maybe the question, how much am I supposed to give, isn't necessarily the right question to ask. But instead, I could say it like this. Let me just tell you a little bit of biblical history. In the Old Testament, if you don't know this, in the Old Testament, it was mandated for God's people, according to the law, that they had to give the first 10% of their income or their crops or whatever they had to the ministry of God's work here in the world. They had to give the first 10%. And that's because the word tithe, if you've ever heard that word, the word tithe literally means tenth. All right, so it's the first tenth. I've heard people say before, you know, I, I tithe 2%, I tithe 3%. Uh, that's just a, that's not a, a right usage of terms. You can't tithe the 2% because tithe means 10th, okay? So this is, I'm just, I just want you to know these terms. In the book of Matthew in the New Testament, Jesus tells people not to neglect the tithe. So for Jesus even, he's saying, you know, uh, the tithe is still an important thing in this world. But Jesus never mandates people to give according to the tithe. I just think, I think we should think about it in terms like this. If we are no longer mandated to give 10%, but they had to in the Old Testament to be obedient, how much more... <laughs> generous should we be who are no longer under the law but have experienced the unending grace of God in Jesus Christ. We don't have to. We get to. We're not obligated. It's an opportunity. Now some of you may be thinking, I, I, I would imagine so, if I were sitting in your seats, I would be thinking this. Do people in this church, do any of them really, like, literally give 10% of their income to the ministry of the church? Like, like actually 10%? I mean, that seems like a lot of money, some of you might be thinking. And I just want to say, yes, 
people <laughs> actually literally do. I've had conversations from time to time with, with a variety of people about, uh, about their giving, about why they do what they do. And I actually reached out to a couple of people this last week who I know, uh, who, have, who have let me know that they're giving a tie, 10% or above and beyond. And I, I just asked them, I said, why do you do it? And, and what has that changed in your relationship with God and your relationship to money? And so I just want to share with you four quick stories from people from our congregation, and here they are. Here's, here's the first one. Our tithing was a direct response to repeated challenges from a former pastor at a different congregation who told us that if we were to tithe and could document that we lacked for any financial need as a result of tithing to the Lord, that he would write a personal check for the difference. In over 30 years of ministry, he never had to write a check. And I would challenge every member of our church who's not tithing to just do it. Uh, we, my, my wife and I, are living proof that tithing, uh, even giving above and beyond the 10%, will never leave you lacking for your financial needs. I can't explain how it works out that way, other than to say that the promise in the Bible has been shown to be true in our lives. We obeyed the command and received the blessings promised. It's no more complicated than that. The second story. My relationship with God has markedly affected my relationship with money. Over the years, as I've given more of my heart to God, he gives me more of everything. When I witness his generosity during times of financial need, I am encouraged all the more to keep giving him more of my heart. It's kind of like the snowball effect. There's nothing in this life more exciting than seeing God provide exactly what is needed. In response to the incredible grace God has given me, I'm eager to give back to him by investing in his church here. No hesitation, certainly no regrets. The third, God can be trusted as his word says to meet all of our needs. Through unexpected job changes and unplanned expenses, he has provided everything we needed. I've come to realize that if we are working simply for money, we're missing the greater blessing which comes from his abundance. He owns it all and his economy is different than ours. If we try to earn money without him, we might even get what we want, but if we trust God to work, his blessings will far surpass what we could do for ourselves. And with that, his financial resources are delivered in envelopes of joy and peace. And the last one is this. We started tithing in the late 70s and have slowly increased since. There are other ministries and charities that we support in addition to the church. We feel that it is God that has led us into this. We do it without thinking about it. It's just part of our Christian lifestyle. We are at peace with him as we use some of the blessings he's given us for his work. We're called to do this. This has taught us that money is only a tool which we can use to serve him and his people. It's our first priority. We praise him that he has allowed us to serve in this manner. Those are four stories. I know there are many more in this congregation and, and in varying degrees, but do you hear what the common response is? And I think those of you who give in whatever amount, whatever percentage it is, I think hopefully your response is the same. The common theme I see is that people give out of response to God's great generosity for them. I would say the greatest known Bible verse in all of the Bible is John three sixteen. right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave him. So that, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God gave his son for us. Christ gave his life for us. When God gave us his only begotten son, he went broke. He cleared out his bank account for you and for me so that we would not carry any debt of sin into eternity. What a generous God we have who has given us all that we need, including life and salvation. If you're going to be reading through the Red Letter Challenge this week, 
you're going to be reading these passages about giving and generosity, or maybe you're just listening to me today, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I, I just can't. I can't. I cannot. I, I don't know how to give anything more and still be able to live and take care of my family. If that's the place that you are, I get it. I've been there. When my wife and I were first married, we were broke and we were stupid and we went deep into debt. And when we did, we did not give anything because we didn't know how. Looking in hindsight, we were mostly just dumb, (laughs) but we figured out that God gives us everything and we started being able to give and be able to get things figured out. So I just want to say to you, though, if you're in a place where you're going, I don't know how I can, I don't know where I can. If you, let me, hear me, if you genuinely are struggling right now in your home to provide for your family, to, if you've got bills that are stacking up, would you please let me know? We have financial resources that have been given to this congregation just solely for the purpose of helping you. And that's one of the benefits of giving to the church is that in our times of need, family helps family. Please let me know. Not alone, no strings attached. You don't have to pay it. It's just family taking care of family. But also if you're in a place where you're struggling and you're fi- trying to figure out how to make ends meet, I would also highly, highly recommend looking for the class Financial Peace University, which will be offered here at our church again this coming fall. If you aren't a regular giver, if you've never tithed before, I do want to challenge you. In my nine years of ministry, I don't know if those of you who have been with us, I don't think you've ever heard me say that before. But I do want to challenge you. I really do. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. I say that seriously. And if you're reading through the Red Letter Challenge book this week, it's going to put a challenge in front of you as well. And I hope that you don't stop short. It's, it's great to serve and, and give your hands and feet, as we talked about last week. But now we're talking about money, which has become a very personal thing for so many of us. And I think it's much harder for us to be generous with our finances than it is to be generous with our hands and our feet. But we've established that already. And it's not just me, and it's not just the Red Letter Challenge book that would issue the challenge to you. Actually, God himself will. Let me turn us back to this Old Testament lesson for today from Malachi chapter 3. I love this passage. God said to this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Put me to the test, God says. Maybe you don't want to believe me, Maybe, maybe you don't want to believe the experiences of the people that I shared before whose lives have been changed by putting into, pr- the, into practice the principles of giving. But, but if that's where you're at, uh, if that's where you're at, I guess I would just say, talk to God about it. Don't, if you want to talk to me, that's fine, but talk to God about it. He has offered the invitation to put him to the test. So if you want, go ahead and put him to the test. See what happens. I guess I would just say, what if? What if he means it? What if he means it? What if, what if it's possible that if we give generously first that God would actually open the floodgates of heaven and rain down blessings into your life so much so that you couldn't store them all? But let me be very clear with you. I am not preaching to you a prosperity gospel today. 
I am not saying to you, if you give financially, that you will get financially in return. Do not get me wrong. I am not promising that to you. There are some churches who would. I am not promising that to you. I'm not saying if you give financially, you will get financially. I'm saying, though, if you live generously according to the blessings God has given to you, the blessings that you will receive will be the blessings of freedom from anxiety, worry, stress, and control over your financial situation. And those blessings will tally up more than you can even measure. Let me be clear again. I am, I, I am not trying to guilt you into giving to this church. I hope I have made that clear. I simply want you to have peace and freedom in your financial situation. I firmly believe that finances and money is a spiritual issue. That is why Jesus talked about it so much and he knew it would be so hard for us. I simply do not want Satan to reign in your life and to have you worried and anxious all the time. I want your life to be free from the temptations of Satan. I want you to live a life that is financially free and peaceful. And I want you to experience the generosity of God and live generously. Because when you give, your money is able to go places and do things that you physically cannot do. And that is an incredible thing to trust God with. And so I just simply say to you again, what if? What if God is serious about this? What if God is just as serious about what he says about financial giving as he is when he says, I am with you? We took Jesus at his word in the very first week when he said, I am with you always. I want to be with you. I love you. I want you to be in my word and receive my gifts for you. We took Jesus at his word in the second week when he says to us, I forgive you. When he speaks from the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We took him at his word when we received that grace and when he said, forgive as you've been forgiven. We took him at his word last week when he said, I came into the world not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Now go serve as you've been served. We took him at his word. What if he's just as serious about how we handle our finances as he is about all those other things? I guess I would just say to you, go talk to God about it. Talk to your spouse if you've got one. Go ahead, put God to the test. See what happens. It's between you and him. As we wrap this up today, though, I want to invite forward a leader from our youth group. Brian, why don't you come on walking forward here? And as Brian's coming up, um, I just want to, I want to say, Brian's going to give a little bit of an announcement about our youth group. Um, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, maybe you've, come on up here, maybe you've heard before, uh, you know, it talked about, the, the scriptures talk about tithes and offerings. The tithe was the tenth, the offerings were above and beyond kinds of things. Um, and so Brian's going to share with you about an opportunity uh, to go above and beyond and support 20 of our high schoolers who are going to the National Youth Gathering this summer. Would you put that last slide up on the screen, please? The National Youth Gathering is a, is a gathering that happens in our denomination every three years. Um, and it is a gathering in which 25 to 30,000 uh, Lutheran youth gather together for worship and to grow and to serve. Uh, this year, the gathering is being held in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Brian is going on that trip along with 19 of his friends. Brian, will you tell the folks um, what school you go to and what grade you're in? Thank you. Hello. <laughs> 
I and 19 other youth from our congregation will be joining 25,000 other youth and adults to uh, learn and grow in the Christian faith. And really what it is, it's a blast, basically. A lot of, uh, a lot of mass gathering, a lot of um, worship. worship stuff. All in all, it's really fun. But uh, what I'm told to present to you guys is our 144 letter challenge. Yeah, please. Yes. The 144 letter challenge. And what it is, it's a simple way for you guys to help us financially to help us fund, fund us to go on this trip, basically. And what it is, is as you guys leave, you'll see this like big board with 144 letters on it, or all of which number one to 144. And what it is, is that you will take a letter, or if you wish, you can take a letter, and inside of this little card that has pictures of us, really cute. <laughs> <laughs> it tells a little bit about us, our name, our grade, our school, all that stuff. And what you are, what you are to do, or what we wish you to do, is that you will donate that same amount of money that the number is on the card, and you give it back to us within three weeks. Awesome. So Brian, if I were to take card 32, how many dollars would I put in? See, I'm really smart. That's why I had to ask. So we've got, we've got uh, I think we're saying three weeks. So there's a card and, and then uh, it's got the numbers on it. Hopefully that all makes sense. Uh, and, and if nothing else, um, there is a bulletin board right next to all those numbers and it's got the pictures of the 20 youth. So if nothing else, please be in prayer for these 20 youth and the adult leaders uh, who are going on this trip. Brian, thank you very much. You can head on back to your seat. May the grace of God uh, and the love of Jesus Christ be and remain with you always in his name. Amen. If you are able, would you please rise?